Hello, beautiful people. I'm so excited that you are back listening to The Feeding Pod. This is Bree here, and on today's episode, I am accompanied by Carly Goebel, who is a speech-language pathologist, and Lauren Bryant, who is a physical therapist. These two are cousins who decided to start their own practice after realizing how important family-centered care was and wanting to take this on themselves. This episode talks about how us as professionals can better implement family-centered care while also making sure that we're taking care of ourselves and not getting too burnt out. It's important for us to establish boundaries, but we also need to remember that the overall goal of treatment is to focus on what the family values are and help improve the quality of life of the child and the family. Carly and Lauren are so passionate and some of the sweetest, kindest, just most fun humans that I've ever met. So I really, really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it with them. And let's dive right in. Welcome to the Feeding Pod. I'm Bree, your co-host. I'm a speech-language pathologist and certified lactation counselor. And I'm Olivia, your other co-host, a registered dietitian nutritionist. We are here to bring multidisciplinary evidence-based information that is easily accessible about pediatric feeding and swallowing disorders. We understand firsthand the importance of collaboration and how difficult it can be to navigate the ever-changing research on assessment and treatment of pediatric feeding and swallowing disorders. The Feeding Pod is here to provide research, support, and a dash of comic relief. Now, let's dive right in. Disclaimer, all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. This is intended to be educational in nature and does not replace the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment from a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome back to the Feeding Pod. This is Bree, and I am here today with Carly and Lauren, and they are going to be discussing um, creating a partnership between the parent and the therapist and the child. And so I'm going to pass it over to them to go ahead and give a quick introduction. Okay, you want to go first? You can go first. Um, I am Carly. I'm a speech therapist, and Lauren is actually my cousin. And we have been wanting to kind of start this practice for a really long time, and we started it about six months ago, and it's really taken off. So the interdisciplinary approach between speech and PT has actually been really helpful for both of us. Um, so we're really excited about it. Um, as Carly alluded to, I'm her cousin, also a pediatric therapist, physical therapist. Um, I have been practicing PEDS since I graduated with experience in zero to 21, but um, really kind of found that my passion is that early childhood. Um, and luckily we are surrounded by a very interdisciplinary team and yeah. um, kind of joined forces to pull that together um, to partner with families. Awesome, I love that. Well, we are so happy to have you all on today because I think this is a topic that is really, really important, um, especially in those early years not focusing so much on just like what the child is doing strictly, but also the entire, the environment, the caregiver child interaction, that relationship, um, and how that can really in turn help develop, help the development of the child. Um, so I'm going to kind of shift it to you all to kind of give like just a quick introduction of, you know, creating that partnership and, and why that's special. Okay. So really when 
we kind of look at it, the foundation of therapy begins in the home. Um, and which is kind of why we were both drawn to early childhood is it's not so much. And I think we talked about this last time. It's not so much talking about the child. It's really that family approach and where you're coming in with that dynamic. So you're counseling usually a lot more than you're just doing direct therapy. And I think both of our personalities kind of feed into that more. Um, and we always kind of took that approach and then doing more research and finding out that actually data showing that that's really what that child and that family needs. So we just kind of took it and run with it and, you know, delved in a little bit more to that kind of topic. Um, kind of to add to that, we both um, kind of got a reputation for the, the team that could deal with the more challenging families, you know, for lack of a better word, um, the ones that they, you know, the therapists had been in there for a long time, they just make progress. And it was always, you know, well, mom won't follow through or, mm -hmm. you know, dad's not taking this advice. So we, when we reflected on, you know, why are we getting outcomes with these families when we know that they're great therapists that were in there prior? Well, there are some weeks that we go in and we just let mom cry for mm -hmm. a week. We form that partnership with the family which opens up the opportunity to get the therapeutic outcomes with the child. Um, and then like Carly said, once we were like, okay, so is this just like something that we're doing? Is it magic? Mm -hmm. Is it, and we, we delve into the research a little bit. It's there, you know, mm -hmm. this is yeah. with kids really, you know, this is how you have to do it. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, huge for, especially that age, um, for, for them to build that, that relationship with the parent first. Um, you yeah. really can never, I always say that I'm like, you can never go wrong if you focus on the caregiver mm -hmm. child relationship from there. Yeah. Sure. We can work on other skills, but it has to be important to them. It has to be meaningful. To them. So I love that. Um, so when we think about like us as, as therapists, um, so as SLPs, as PTs, you know, we don't want to think about ourselves in that role, in that like supportive counseling role. Of course we know that, you know, we know that that's in our scope, but someone just coming out of school or things like that and you're getting into that you know oh my goodness I didn't get anything done because all mom needed was to cry and talk today yeah. um, so kind of discussing that um within the realm of being a therapist um it's uh, it's funny because we have in like our little core circle two um new grads um <laughs> you've heard just that from, you know, Dyfus is involved and I think mom wasn't paying attention or, you know, I think mom has some depression going on. So I got nothing out of the session mm -hmm. and they've come to us with like, what do you do in that situation? Well, you know, does mom trust you? Does mom, do you, have you formed a relationship with mom? Have you, um, you can't, if you put your hands on the baby as a physical, I'm speaking as a physical therapist and, mm -hmm. you know, in the neck and I'm getting great head position but then mom is just not able to carry that out the rest of the week. Well, a night hour with that, that family was mm -hmm. not helpful. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think it is an extension of our therapeutic self because, mm -hmm. you know, you just greatly multiply the hours of, of hands-on therapy that the child receives through the parent, if you can really break through to the parent. Um, so while we're not social workers or psychologists, which is what I often hear from people who switch gears into the peds world, we kind of are taking on some of that. <laughs> and I think kind of as a new grad and things that we've learned later in our career is really focusing on development and cognition, not only with the child, but with the family. Um, and I am very big into K2Me, um, the SOS I love, I'm going through the program. And that's really her biggest thing is talking about we're usually the first people to give parents that really hard 
information and tell them that maybe their child's not going to be who they thought they were. And that drops them down a cognitive level. So when you're kind of looking at it and saying, well, this parent's not falling for, she's so lazy, she's so this, you're really coming from more of a judging place than just saying that mom's headspace has actually physically changed. And as therapists, we're not gonna move forward with speech or PT or any of that unless we really take care of that parent and that family first. Um, and I see that a lot in the pediatric feeding side because when these parents are, you know, they whether they've been through trauma or not in the NICU, you know, there there starts the traumatic experience and then moving on and feeding's difficult. And that's really a time that relationship building happens a lot. But for some of these parents, like they are not in a place where they can comprehend the information you're telling them. And so really it's our responsibility as clinicians to be able to say, where is mom's headspace? Where is dad's head, grandma, you know, whoever the caregiver is, where is their headspace so that I can meet them where they're at so that we can make progress. Um, I think about, uh, I love thinking about like the zone of proximal development. We think about that all the time with the child, but thinking about that also with the parent, like yeah, you don't yeah. want to put something that's just way too challenging and outside of their zone, or they're just going to shut down and nothing's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to be very cognizant of that in their case as well. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Especially in that yeah. zero to three range, like they've just received a diagnosis. Um, they've received something that's in a sense traumatic for mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. uh, being able to, you know, not only their cognitive level, but their, their self-preservation. Right. Um, yeah. You're just, if they feel like you're just throwing things at mm -hmm. them, you're not, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. Their body is going to protect itself right. and say, I can't, I can't mm -hmm. do this right now. Right. Um, being able to kind of guide them into how to deal with some, some hard news. Well, and I did like too, that you said it's our responsibility <clears throat> as therapists, because there are so many therapists that go out and say, well, I've been telling mom to do that for weeks. And Mm -hmm. it's not we're not just there to provide strategies like we're there to problem solve so I think it really is on the therapist on that tripped up to say then well you've been telling mom to do this for three or four weeks straight and she had why yeah. um you know so mm -hmm. to really yeah, kind of step back absolutely I think of there's a um right now for example I'm seeing a kiddo in a daycare setting and mom is one of the teachers at the daycare so by the time I see the child, talk to her, collaborate with her in all of it. She's back in her classroom. Things are chaotic right back from the start. And so I know whatever I have told her, she might've been attentive and she was listening, but it is gone. It is gone yeah. now because she is now in work mode. And so right. I know that my job as a therapist is to say, okay, how can I communicate best with this mom? And so we communicate, I text her. Bullet points is exactly what we talked about. This is the things that we're going to follow up with. Here's what um, the expectation is for the next session. You know, here's mm -hmm. the foods or whatever we're going to prep. That ensures that there's carryover because yeah, she right. can reference that later when she's done and she can decompress okay. it. Um, really and, knowing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so using like, we have to also be creative and like, just because verbal instruction works for one parent, it's not going to work for all of them. Right. And I think I have met a few therapists that say, well, I don't do it that way. You know, I don't, I don't send home a book. I just call mom at the end of the day. And like you said, I mean, I've had people tell me stuff and I'm attentive and pretend that I'm listening yeah. and walk away. I'm like, what did they just say to me? <laughs> and so. I will tell you as a mom of four from the other <laughs> side, and none of my children need any kind of outside therapies she can tell you, she'll call me. And then the next day she's like, do you have that thing done? I'm like, what thing? Mm -hmm. yep. The thing we 
about for 10 minutes yesterday. Uh, what thing? Our brain can only carry so much. And if a lot of that is stress and trauma and just making it to the appointments, yeah, okay, all of that is, you know, that's on the yeah. back burner. You're lucky that I made it here today. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I think, nice to have that relationship then because where I'll go in a house and they'll say, you know, the OT said all this to me, but I just didn't want to tell her I, I didn't understand. Or that same mom will say to me, yeah. what are you talking about? That does not make sense. And I appreciate that because then I leave that house knowing like we had an actual conversation. And even if she got one thing out of it, she didn't have me leave feeling like I just bombarded her with all this stuff and didn't treat that session. And that's a good, something I always note in my documentation is I always make sure to reflect on, you know, did the parent ask return questions? Did the mm -hmm. parent re-verbalize what I'm saying? Because to me, that's the most important piece right. of the whole session yeah. um, that we're able to take something or did they, you know, maybe it is that I gave them written, you know, they're a family that needs written instruction. Did they look over it? Did they ask? I always try to gauge like, is there something that showed that they at least recognize that some, you know, something right. was communicated and they have a way to process that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where our role comes into play too, of like, we, from the start have to build that relationship with a family where they feel confident and empowered enough to ask us those questions, Yeah, to absolutely. advocate for themselves and say, that doesn't make sense. Cause our yeah. therapy brain is like, oh yeah, do this, this, this. And they're like, that's literally like no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, and so also, yeah, like us supporting the parent from the level of like making them feel competent and have confidence and comfortable with us to where yeah. they can say, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And those are actually my favorite moms when I go in and they're, kind of, you know, I'll say just, uh, I don't know, you know, do this with a book and they'll say, but why? And I'm like, mm -hmm. because sometimes <laughs> yeah. you keep talking and the parents looking like you're just giving me too much. Yeah. So that's like what else do you want to know <laughs> and that is the therapy part of us I'm like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. give you everything yes yep. and I'm like I'm so sorry I just word vomited everywhere <laughs> what yes. do you need from me yeah. every one of my yeah, sessions I'm like sorry I just so much but I'm I'm also so excited to be there usually yeah. that like it just yeah. all comes out yeah mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so obviously like going in the homes and doing all of that the emotional supportive side, like we, we do play a role in, in, in counseling the families and coaching them through stuff. And of course that can be, you know, that can be difficult at times too, where the parent calls you very way after hours because you, you have built that relationship. So in terms of that, how do you, you know, just sort of discuss setting some boundaries for yourself? Okay. Um, we're not great at boundaries. It's something we're working on. This is something that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had just taken a advanced course on parent coaching just to learn more. And one of the biggest things was because we're not great at setting boundaries, looking at more of why we're not setting them. And I never thought of it that way is, you know, I always just thought these parents need some, just somebody. So I'll be that somebody. It's okay. I can, I can put my own emotional burden, but it was more me taking on the stress and the responsibility of the parent Absolutely. and not that emotional side of why can't they deal with that yeah. stress. So instead of saying like, sure, you can call me all the time to say, you know, we, we talked a lot this week. Was there something else that was going on? Um, you know, how are you feeling mentally rather than just taking on all that work? Because then the parents also not truly learning how to move forward. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one of my biggest eye openers. Like, oh, I do that all the time. But I think as a new graduate, 
and especially a new clinician, you kind of have to go with your gut. Like I thoroughly, thoroughly love my job and I know Lauren does too. So I'm okay sometimes if it's seven o'clock at night, especially like a feeding kid and a oh, mom's to me, me just too. said, I just want to let you know, like they ate a whole carrot today or something. Yeah. Um, there are certain families that I do kind of cross, you know, like we're just going to do work emails we're just going to do calls but for the most part i think it's whatever you can kind of offer but just to make sure that you're being there is more of a support than rather taking on some of that role and responsibility for that parent yeah i think as as therapists it's important to remember that we're facilitators we're not supposed mm -hmm. to be just um acting as you know 100%. as the actor for the parent there's yes. we're supposed to be facilitating these skills in them just as much as the child mm -hmm. Um, and for me, setting boundaries, I always say to my families, like, I love hearing from you. I love hearing mm -hmm. all the accomplishments yeah. because they do need other people yeah. to get excited in the little things that I'm, like what that do you mean? every child just too does that. Like that's yeah. you know, right. the thing they need people to also get excited about that. Um, cause that's a lot of feedback I get. I text you because you're the only one that like, mm -hmm. like screams yeah. with me, Yeah, but I, boundary like I love to hear from it but if it's like after you know when my dinner bedtime rush starts with my own kids or before I get everyone mm -hmm. ready for the day I probably won't respond until working right. hours but feel mm -hmm. free to let me know mm -hmm. you know that way they can reach out as they think of it because again they have kids they're not going to remember the next day mm -hmm. but they they don't take offense to if I don't respond right, right. away yeah and I think just setting up that very transparent communication <laughs> in the beginning is yeah is really really important because I'm the same way I'm like please share it all with me I want I want to know about the wins sometimes I might not answer right away but I would love to know what's going on absolutely I actually was driving home the other night at like 7 30 from the food store and I had a mom text me and she was like we're just eating and so and so really just wanted to FaceTime you is that okay <laughs> and I'm like yeah I mean I'm in the car and my boyfriend's here if that's okay and we hopped yeah. on and like you know he's like hi I'm so happy oh. to see you. And he's like, why are you FaceTiming with families at night? I said, I don't do that often, <laughs> but like this yeah. family more of like Lauren said, like nobody else was going to be like, I'm so happy your kid ate a French fry, but I was right. like, I want to eat right now. You yeah. ate a French fry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, absolutely. You know, but I think it's really personal. Like I, my sister is our OT and she is a different personality than us. So she is very much, you know, five o'clock comes and she will talk to you tomorrow. Um, <laughs> And it just, it's work works for you professionally. Um, yeah. And I think that's an important part to harp on too, in terms of like, you know, making sure you're taking care of yourself and not burning out. But before I get okay. into that, I, I love your comment you made about finding out the why of you doing it. Because I think another reason, like I'm thinking about of the why is that, is there maybe just another resource the family needs that they're not getting? And that's why they're coming to you for all of these things because they're comfortable with you, but also knowing our role in terms of like, what other referrals or resources do we need to turn them to that would help fulfill that support yeah. that they need? Because I find that a lot with parents um, where maybe like family counseling would come into play really well, or even the child maybe just needs counseling or just the mama or just the dad or, you know, and maybe just the caregiver needs it. But knowing to to that boundary too of like okay this seems to be a little different than just I'm sharing a little win with you or I just have a quick question I'm trying to you know buy a cup or something because of course they want to get our opinion on that too <laughs> so true <laughs> mm -hmm. um so kind of going into um you know the flip side of that so what about when you know we go into a situation where we feel very anxious 
um, or just, you know, aren't really sure how to approach a situation, um, kind of shed some light in on that. Um, a story, a, a family comes to mind for me, um, a little one who I saw who um, dad was homeless and a single parent um, and really no prior experience with children um, and had mental illness of his own um, that he disclosed fully to me, you know, right off the bat. But um, then I started to notice as the weeks went on, like something was different. And then he became very tangential. So I became uncomfortable. I, you know, that level of mental illness is way outside my scope mm -hmm. of what I can deal Absolutely. with. I never, you know, I never once felt like he was a danger to me or the child, but that I couldn't help him. Um, so, you know, it wound up being, I'm, I'm gonna step back and immediately, you have to know your, your limits. You have to know your scope of practice. You have to know. So I, you know, when it became to the point that I was like, this is, I'm not getting through to him because there's something going on, um, you know, in his psychiatric worlds that needs to be addressed by a psychiatrist before we're ever gonna make headway with, with this baby. So stepping out and being able to get him the help that he needed, letting him know I'm there to support him, you know, and I'm, I'm there with him. Um, but, you know, in a situation where, where we're uncomfortable, I think you have to step back. Like I physically left the session early that day to say, okay, I can't help him right now and who can, and let me do that instead with this time. Yeah. Um, and I think going off of that too, and looking on it on a smaller scale is for the most part, and it's something that it's very hard and it's probably taken us a while to learn is that not every therapist is right for every family or every yeah. child. Um, yeah. And especially like, we love our jobs, like just <laughs> absolutely love oh, them. Oh no, same. I could talk, I literally have a podcast about my job. Yeah, like, <laughs> like You want to even sometimes when you go in knowing like, you know, maybe that family's on a right fit, you kind of adjust yourself and you, Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable and sometimes you find yourself like when they cancel or you have to cancel you're you're relieved and I think sometimes we just kind of push through that instead of taking that a step back and just saying like hey you know what maybe I should talk to my supervisor or another colleague and just say that this isn't a right fit because yeah. you're not like you know most of my families I would say I am but there's one or two that personality wise we just don't fit and I know me coming in they're thinking like oh my god she's here again <laughs> and I'm looking at them like I'm so sorry that we cannot <laughs> and it's not and it's really not fair as me as a person just to think like well I can get it I'll fix it because that's just wasted time for that child yeah. so if you're really feeling like it's just too much it's okay like you said just refer out we there are tons of us in this field and we all have different strengths so to know what your strengths are, know what your weaknesses are, and just kind of move forward for the benefit of that family and that child. Yeah. And I love what you said where you're like, the only person that that is going to be hurting if you continue in that huh? situation is the child. And so right. when, you know, what we are thinking about most is just what is best for this child. And it's, it's not like, it's not personal. You know, there's plenty of people that we meet throughout life. We might click off, you know, we click with, and then there's other people that like, we're just a little bit different. <laughs> And, and I in the evaluation to say that to families, um, yes. and I kind of almost give them the out by saying not every child responds the same to every adult. So if you feel like your child mm -hmm. is not taking to my style, like, let's discuss that nothing personal. I'm going to help right. you find somebody else that does, mm -hmm. because sometimes, you know, I would feel, you know, myself would feel right. bad, um, saying no, no, this is not working. Yeah. But I give them the out, you know, you right. could tell me your child is not 
our personalities are not meshing. They're not because you know kids do take to some people better than others. And I have had families tell me when like the kids about to age out at three, you know, I really wish I really wish we would have got another OT or a PT. And I just I didn't want to say anything because I didn't feel bad. I'm like that person has been in your house for two years. Yeah. And they're like, I know we never clicked. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so, I wish you would have told me this earlier because yeah. I yeah. would not. I know myself for a fact. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would suck it up and deal with it. And I can guarantee that's not you, right for the child. no. And that therapist and that family and that child are all like, can we please just, can we please just move on? Yeah. Um, so, totally. it yeah. Just, yeah, it's not comfortable for anybody. So no. if you as a clinician are feeling like this is not going well, odds are the families think mm-hmm. the same thing. Yes. Yeah. And you're a better clinician, honestly, yeah. for saying, I just need somebody else in here. And you can, you know, I've said a few times, I just want to get a different set of eyes. And I know it's someone the family's going to click with. And then they're like, you know what? The family wants to switch. And I'm like, perfect. That was so, seamless. And- mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I agree. Because a lot of times, even like just other difficult conversations too, like if you're thinking it, odds are the family is too. Like, I know sometimes it can be hard for the family when you're getting toward like discharge where you're like, Hey, what's their level of comfort? And do they understand that this is coming? And then you bring it up and they're like, yes, we thought the same thing. And like, usually they are relieved to hear that you say, um, yeah. and even in those situations, you're like, you know, I'm noticing that there's just something going on. We're not quite clicking. I think your child would really benefit from seeing whoever a lot of times the parent is, is going to be excited about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of going into, you know, communication with families and how to approach this, um, you know, what, what are some, some strategies or recommendations you make for how we should approach communicating with families? The very first thing that I will say, and this is coming from, like Lauren said, normally being the people that have been the third or fourth therapists going into that house, you are, you need to go in respectfully especially in something like EI, you were going into that person's house. Um, so all that kind of judgment and thoughts up, even saying things like, well, that mom just seems really depressed or she's just an anxious mom. Like all those kind of need to be wiped away and you need to go in with the pure focus of I'm going to problem solve with this family um, and really keeping and open communication from day one, like Lauren said, even in the eval, that's really where you're setting all that up. So I think from day one, we're really pretty good at teaching families to just identify a problem and kind of share it with us. And we do it very seamlessly um, in, you know, we'll walk over, say like a little kid is having difficulty stepping up on a step where I know Lauren would walk in and just be like, oh, look, there's a toy up there. And as he walks up, just very seamlessly say, um, you know, is this how he does it? And that kind of opens up where the mom is like, you know what, normally he doesn't, but he did it today. And that's when you kind of feed in that information mm-hmm. where and right away and they want to just name all the problems and yeah. this is how you fix it. And it doesn't work like that. It has to be a conversation. Yeah. A, a couple of things kind of piggybacking on what Carly said. Um, the first is I set the expectation right in evaluation. My like opening speech is always, this is a partnership. Um, I am the expert in, in human movement. That's what my doctorate is in. I will never claim to know more about your child than you mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> you are the expert on little Johnny and I am the expert on how his body moves. So we'll work together yeah. in order to your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, that way they know that they have just as much authority in this relationship right. as I do. 
I'm not here to tell you what to do, to tell mm -hmm. you, we, this is, this is a dynamic, it's a fluid relationship. And I think just saying that to them right off the bat, they're like, oh, you mm -hmm. know, as opposed to me saying, you know, I'm the physical therapist and I see all of these problems um, going on that. I think speaking in a more solution oriented fashion as opposed to a problem. Yes. You know, it's hard for somebody to come in your home, in your safe space and say, oh, goodness, like, look at how he does that. Oh, he's not doing that yet. You know, yeah. I can't believe he can't go up the steps. Not that most therapists talk like that, but even, you know, I'm taking it to a dramatic level. Um, but it gets said without being said. Yeah. As opposed to like Carly said, oh, is this how he always does that? Uh, let's let's figure out how to get him to do that again. That was mm -hmm. great. Framing it in a positive way helps to strengthen that relationship because right. they feel like you're on their side as opposed to you just came into my house and told me everything I'm doing wrong with my child. <laughs> and also remembering the shards me nuts. It really does. You are not there to teach them how to parent. Yeah. They they are the parents and they have their own priorities. So also we could go in, there's a few kids that I've gotten for speech, and I'm like, yeah, something seems a little funky for something motor based and I'll say to the mom and they've just said to me you know I'll say does he go upstairs or well not really and they'll say we don't have stairs and I don't have the time so I don't want PT in here right now and not pushing it because that was my job I highlighted it to the family I let them know that this could be something beneficial and they have told me that it's not a priority for them so it's not a priority for me down the road if I see it escalating will I, I bring attention to it again yeah. yeah but if it's still not something that the family wants to focus on it's not our job and, you know, I've gone into families where they're giving their kid Hawaii, what is it, Hawaiian punch? Or Hawaiian punch, yeah. Hawaiian punch, and they're telling him that that's the fruit serving for the day. And I think, you know, bringing it to the attention to educate a family, but, you know, you have therapists calling, oh my God, I can't believe that she's doing that. Is she crazy? Does she know how much sugar that has? That's not helping anybody. Mm. And at the end of the day, there's so many kids out there that we're not in their home and they're getting Hawaiian punch as their fruit and they will be okay. So... You just, you have to educate a family very gently and lightly and respectfully, but you're not the parent and you're not the expert, so. And communicating with them in a way that highlights that you understand that you're just seeing a snapshot of their day and their mm -hmm. life. Maybe that child gets a wine punch because they're just flat out refusing therapy and mom's like, just drink that, you can right. have a treat. Yeah. You know, maybe that's not how we would encourage a child to do something, but that's how they're doing it. Um, maybe the rest of the day all they drink is water and right. eat Brussels sprouts or you yeah. know we don't know we're in there for an hour um and I think it's important to ask the questions in a respectful way educate where mm -hmm. um it's appropriate for us but then also understand at the end of the day there's so many parenting styles mm -hmm. I see this come up a lot with sleep um where oh. therapists going home and they're like well it's your child's not doing this because you put him to bed at 10 o'clock mom says well I get home from work at nine o'clock and I would like to see them for an hour that's not up to us. And usually at the beginning of the session, you know, you walk yeah. in, oh, how was it? Oh, he was up till 10. Shouldn't be up till 10. And immediately the mom's like, I don't want to listen to anything you yeah. say for the rest of the yeah. session. Mm -hmm. um, I think especially as a new clinician, I know that we're all coming from a good place. You know, you you want all your kids. You to want to solve me. the problem. You want to solve the right. world's problems. <laughs> but you're not. You're not the parent. So yeah. you in with your expertise and educate. But at the end of the day, whatever the parents priority is we kind of have to go with yeah and they probably look at us that some of the things we do is crazy yeah. oh absolutely a hundred percent absolutely mm -hmm. okay awesome so kind of you know bleeding off of that the communication so what are the core concepts of family-centered care you know when we think of family-centered care 
So like instead of going in and um, just dictating and taking charge right away, really understanding that we're there first and foremost for the family. Um, so having that respect. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, you know, having having the dignity to understand that there's different cultures, not even speaking, you know, cultures that we might not even know, um, like why is the child going to bed late, for example, or why do they not eat with utensils or, you know, not putting our own biases on a family and understanding that we're just there to facilitate the cultural norms in their family. Well, and I think this kind of ties in everything that we've been talking about, but yeah. it's, it's something that takes a while. Um, and I can guarantee you as a new clinician, like these are the trial and error things that you're going to do and you're going to leave and be like that. I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done yeah. that. Um, but as you kind of educate yourself more and, you know, really, like we said, learning about cognition and applying it to families and learning how to appropriately speak to a family so that you're getting kind of the appropriate information back, you, you learn how to do that in a way that feels natural. And when you're first out working, it doesn't feel natural. Um, so it's something that I think you really have to work at. Yeah. Like the sharing of information. I think you're so excited too when you're a new yeah. grad that you want to go out and be like, no, 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 I know this. I learned about this and I know how to yeah. fix it. And the family's like, fix it, what? <laughs> so sharing information, sharing knowledge as opposed to telling information. Yes, and that's really what it is. And I think, like we said, we're looking for those questions. So, you know, you don't just come out and say, okay, well, normally kids do this by two and I want you to sit down and start doing these cards with her and I'm gonna sit here. And then as they're doing it going, no, 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 that's not how you do it. Or wait, you did it this way and that's not why she did that. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think it's more of watching and really, one of my biggest things is training the family is how to look for certain things. So nothing makes me happier in the whole world than when I go out and a little kid does something that maybe only as, you know, a therapist we might pick up and the mom says, Hey, like she just put her tongue up. Did you see that? Like she hasn't done that before. Yes, and I'm like, I love that. Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> and then they want to open up. So you're really that information sharing seems like such a simple piece, but it's really actually something that you have to hone in and could take you years to learn how to do properly. Yeah. I just had a morning we were working on postural control with her son and we did it on they have like a little bolster in their basement and she texted me okay so he's got all these new great skills and I think it's because I'm sitting him on my lap when he like we're playing so it's kind of like the bolster and I'm like that I you know what that's yeah. that's the goal of therapy uh -huh. you yep. took that skill and you generalized it to your life me the expert on how we get postural control, you the expert on his daily routine. Right. We merge that together and now he has new skills coming from that. Like that's that's kind of the basis I think of our whole philosophy. We're like, yeah. take our job, like become yeah. like parent, be, be the therapist. Parent. Yes. <laughs> and it honestly, my parents by the time like I leave, I'm like, you should go back to school to become an OT because <laughs> it's like- those It comes so natural yes. to you. And it's so super parent training sessions where you're just sitting there and doing like we said that information sharing so I'm like you know do this and they're like I just did this and this happened why did we do that because of this oh that's why this happened and I'm like yeah. oh my god are yeah. we like, you're like why am I even here like, anymore oh, yeah. I mean <laughs> but that's what I feel like you you've arrived at like a really good place with yes. your families when they are able to when you feel like, okay, they just did something I didn't even think of, that's great. <laughs> and I, I think I would say, especially if I was talking to myself as a new clinician, that you get to that 
point of comfortability though with that when one you've taken you've really educated yourself on numerous parts of the field and this is one of the biggest things that I never understood in school the multiple multidisciplinary versus interdisciplinary so you just boom like okay well we have this whole team of people but that's not enough you need to be able if you are a speech therapist to sit in a session where everybody's saying that kid's just so behavioral and you're thinking no there's actually some needs that we need to address and looking at those or maybe there's something else going on yeah. and when you know that and you have that knowledge and kind of that that calm of i can handle this that's when that good communication comes in because mom could be having a meltdown the kid could be having a meltdown and you just kind of sit there and you talk mom through it and you get the kid through it and then mom's like how did that happen and i'm like because i because we had we just the underlying issue yes not just yes and that's really you need to be educated at some facet in all areas of the field especially if you're going into the home and i think it's important also as a new clinician to really think of the the parent the caregiver as almost the most important person in that interdisciplinary mm -hmm. team because they're the relayer of information yes so a parent might be like oh my goodness, this kid has a meltdown every time we have to get in the car and they're just venting and we hear, okay, well, what, you know, mm -hmm. is it the, is it when they're getting in the car seat? Is it, right. are you asking them to climb in the car? Right. We're hearing something that they didn't even know was tied into some mm -hmm. of the, um, some of their underlying, um, you know, sensory impairments or, or whatever. It That's is. where the communication comes in. Yeah, I think, mm -hmm. and, you know, just putting them, making them know that they're such a critical piece of that communication mm -hmm. loop. Um, and just one more thing going off of that, like, I feel like people either look at, you know, like the therapist in the becomes kind of like that main person, or it's the parent. And sometimes we forget that kids are part of that yeah. team too. And they really know their bodies better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. So if they really are flipping out or something's happening, or every time they do this, and we're saying, no, no, no we just have to like, it's behavioral, and we'll work through it instead of like that kid is literally screaming, like, please get your hands off of me right now. And some therapists are like, all right, sit him down. We're going to force him to do this. Yeah. In a way you're communicating to mom. This isn't a big deal. He's just kind of being yeah. a brat or he doesn't want to listen. And that's where that understanding of other areas of your field really comes in to say like, no, 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 something's wrong right now. His body's freaking out. Let's right. take a step back. And I feel like, especially in that zero to three age range, outside mm -hmm. of toddler tantrums and stuff like that, there's not a lot of, a lot of those are not behavioral issues. You don't have all learned behavior, you know, it's all, yeah. there's something going on. They're trying to communicate yep. something. They're uncomfortable with something. They need right. something. They, so helping the parent, because it's overwhelming when you're, especially in a therapy session, right? Like the parents, their child's having a meltdown and they're like, oh my goodness, get back to the test, get back to the test. The therapist is here. I think it's important to say, no, this is okay. Let's yes. let's figure out why. Let's work with this. It's okay. And that's therapeutic. And I wish somebody would have told me that yeah. as a new graduate, yeah. that I don't have to even get back to that task. That me teaching that mom that like, okay, we're just gonna sit there and we're gonna work through some breathing. And if that's how my session ends, but the kid and the mom are calm and mom feels like next time that happens, she's okay. I probably did more in that session yeah. than I would have teaching him how to say the K sound. Yep. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. And I think it's, you know, again, just showing like we're, we are really coaching the family and facilitating them to be able to take on these roles and do it in the home themselves and have that confidence to just take it on. Right.
So what are some strategies? Cause we've talked about like, yes, we need to get the family involved. We need them to be part of it. What are some ways, like, how do we get the family involved in therapy? Okay. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? Yeah. I'll go. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So I think the first thing really is always gauging where the parents at. Yeah. Um, that is number one, you know, because even if they are, you know, we didn't tell them something horrible, like that parent could have so much going on, or sometimes they don't see an issue with what we see. So I think number one is always gauging. And number two is really not so much forcing it on a parent. Um, I know, especially in EI, one of the biggest things is they always say, you know, parent has to be in the session, parent has to be present. And it's 100% true, the parent has to be an active participant. But it's uncomfortable. I can tell you that even as a therapist, if I had somebody coming in my house for EI, I would feel so awkward. Um, mm -hmm. Especially when, you know, they would say, okay, well, I'm going to do this now, you do it. Um, I'm somebody that takes a lot of time to process information. So I think also gauging that and really going in, like they said, you just go in and you start playing and asking parent questions and then just slowly having them come to where they're comfortable. You might have a parent that never feels comfortable doing that in a session. They'll do it when you're not there. And that's okay too. So you also kind of really need to go with where the family's at. Mm -hmm. um, and like we said, you know, maybe they're a family that you, that you write everything down and then they do it throughout the week or you text or you take videos. Videos are huge. Yeah. Even if, you know, the parents in the session, have them film it, watch it later, and then maybe text you some feedback. Um, so I think not trying to fit everybody into the same box also is something that I wish somebody would have told me as a new clinician. You don't have to communicate the same way with every family. I actually have given um, two new clinicians who've come with me with questions like that, just the basic screen for um, types of learning. Yes. And through to a parent, well, why don't you say, you know, put it on yourself. I'm having a hard time figuring out how to get this message across with, you know, let's talk about it. And you take it together. Okay, well, I'm, what I learned is this is the kind of teacher I am. This is how I mm -hmm. relay information. And what I learned about you is this is how you receive information and making those line up. Um, I don't use that for every family, but certainly if mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time getting through to a family, I will screen that way because that tells me, do they need to be hands-on? You know, maybe I'm being too hands-on and I need to say, you need, you know, you do more of this. Mm -hmm. I'll show you and we'll practice it together. Or are they a visual person? Do they need to video record? Do they need to just watch me? Right. Do they need to write it? You know, there's different ways. Um, so I think really understanding how that the members of that family learn is, mm -hmm. and then they feel like you took the time to really connect with them. I and agree. Them. And I think too, like you go in wanting to be so professional and I'm not saying do not be professional by any means, but I think sometimes sharing personal things about yourself, like, you know, I have some kids that are all over it. They cannot sit for a second. Their mind's going a million. That is me. I still like right now. I don't know if you've seen me. I cannot sit in a chair. That is really I cannot oh, sit in a chair. I have my fidget ring. That I literally so like using a whole call. My knee is always up. I'm sure you've heard it nine times already. I'm talking and then all of a sudden my train of thought switches. <laughs> so just kind of also letting parents know. I'm the know. opposite. I'm hyper-focused. Yes. That's why like, we like. That's why yeah, her, I need to out her brain works with mine. <laughs> but like telling family sometimes like that's, that's me. Like I, you know, like kind of letting your guard down yeah. and saying it's okay. Like I do that all the time and your kid's going to be okay. Um, and also this drives me nuts and it, maybe it's not 
a hundred percent but like sometimes my mom's like can I just wash the dishes and she will be in the kitchen and I'm playing with the kid and to make you have to kind of switch it you know I'll be like oh that was so good when you put your hands on your nose or whatever we were working on and just saying to mom oh when you come back in I'm going to show you that so Mm -hmm. that she sometimes parents don't have that and I'm sure you can relate as a mom washing the dishes might be the only time of day she's by herself so you giving her that little bit of break will make her more receptive when she comes back in well, and I think I love what you all are saying because it's it really resonates with um, a lot of things that like I think about. Of like, we aren't just reading the child's cues when we go into therapy. We are yeah. reading the family's cues. We are reading the cues of mom. And if mom, if you walk in and she is stressed out and she just like needs a second to go mm-hmm. do that, if if you if you didn't or she didn't feel comfortable enough to say like, hey, can I take a bathroom break. Can I go and do the dishes real quick? Can I go fold this laundry? And then I will come back. She's not going to be in a headspace to learn from you. No. So if, if we know if children are dysregulated, we're not going to be able to teach them a new skill, but it is the same thing with babies. And it's the same thing with the caregiver. Like if I'm in a headspace where I'm like fight or flight, overwhelmed, really stressed, and you try to throw something new at me, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, I had I think two years ago, a mom who she was just going through a terrible divorce. Her son was on the spectrum. She kind of knew, but the diagnosis hit her pretty hard. Um, Didn't really have a lot of family support. She was in such a rough spot. And honestly, when I would get to my sessions, she would shower every session. And some days she would say to me, this is the first time I've showered in like four days. And I would just video our sessions. And when she would come down, she was so happy and she would just you know, sit and we really, I wouldn't do a lot of her training in the session. Actually, a lot of it would just be me then playing with him and kind of asking how she was. And then I would email her outlines and I still talk to her to this day. And that kid is doing fantastic. And she worked beautifully with him, but I actually being there for that hour was the only hour that she got to herself. And there was other therapists in there that would say, can you believe mom goes in the shower? Like that's, she's not even paying attention. I can't even get through to her. Yeah. And she would totally just shut them down because they were judging her. Yeah. And you you can't, that's, you know, if you have a family that every time you go there, like, you know, I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go lay down. That's a little different. Yeah. But there are those circumstances that you just kind of have to put that protocol aside and say human to human, like you can go sit up there and do whatever you want and just be down here by two o'clock and, you know, I'll see you next week. Yeah. Um, and that's just as therapeutic yeah. as a family coaching session. Mm-hmm. another strategy I use to get families involved is like almost an excess of praise like uh-huh. every little detail that I see I'm like wow look at th- this is you must have been practicing that from last week right mm-hmm. you're you know, and even if they say no I wasn't but you're doing something why don't you tell me what you yes. have been doing because this is such great progress and I didn't do this you've been mm-hmm. and then they're like wow you know I yeah. find connection and oh well I have been I didn't do exactly what you asked me to do but I kind of modified it and did it this way that's it that's great look at the carryover Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they're like oh my I can actually evoke change in my child and that's really empowering to a parent uh, parent who might be dealing with a a more difficult diagnosis or like Mm -hmm. a long-term um situation um really and I think um (laughs) thanks but I was gonna lose it (laughs) um I think always making it a we. So sometimes those families that, you know, 
you hear them talking, they're like, she's the best therapist. She does this all the time. And she's the only one that gets my son to talk. And they think that they're being nice. And I know where they're coming from. It's the worst because you're like, it's, it's really I'm not a magic. Right. I can't. I'm yeah. so much, every problem they come up, they're like, well, can you, you fix it. You're so good with him. And so those families, you want to kind of nip in the butt from the get-go um, and always make it a we, you know, mm-hmm. oh, it looks like, you know, this is working better. You must've been doing that. We're working so good as a team to get yeah. him to this point. Um, because I know sometimes, especially as a new clinician, it can seem flattering. You're like, oh my God, I'm so good at my job, but it's not. Um, you really need to always make sure that that family feels like a part of the team or that's where that stress comes in when they're like, okay, then it's all your responsibility. Now you fix him Mm -hmm. and we, we don't fix kids, you know, I think that's the biggest compliment is when you have a parent that does feel confident and empowered and they're doing those things and they feel that, you know, they are the reason their child's making progress because they should. Um, and yeah, like that's the compliment to us of like, all right. I've trained them to be the therapist. <laughs> Got this? Yeah. 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 Um, so real quick before we kind of close down, close down the episode, I could talk about this for hours. Um, what are some things that we need to be careful of that could get in our way as a therapist in, in being able to effectively communicate and, and provide family-centered care? Um, I think our own biases and um, n- norms uh, going into a family, viewing them through the lens of how we run our own family or how we participated in our own family. Um, we have to just put that aside. We have to think about this is an individual family unit. I'm going to go in, I'm going to assess this family unit and how it operates in its environment. And then we will work together to, to evoke the change that's important to them. Uh Um, so I would say the biggest thing for, for me, and sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's really hard to put that aside and realize how, things that we just think are, you know, typical is not every family abides by the same rules. Um, So putting that aside, going in with no preconceived ideas of how a family should operate. Yeah, I think going off of that is also really listening to the family's priorities. So, you know, they might really want their child to do something. Also, that just seems to you, you're like, there's so many other things that we need to work on. Why is this important? But you don't know, you know, maybe that's something that, you know, they go to the park all the time and they want their child to do something specific. And for them, it's just something that they can't let go. And it's really not our job to say that's, that's unimportant right now. We need to work on something else. So I think really, truly, truly listening to what the family is asking of you. And sometimes putting, like Lauren said, that bias away like we don't always know best um that parent does so to really as a new clinician you know try to listen don't be judgy some of those things that we do so naturally and we don't even mean to like I said even saying well that mom's so depressed or like she's so anxious those are still kind of judgy words um so if you know you're seeing something like that always go back to the why why is that family feeling like that and just be an empathetic, supportive part of the team. Um, and on a lighter note, like I have found some things that um, getting in the way of communication, my own mood, like, am I overtired? Am I starving? Have I been yeah. running since the morning? Sometimes like taking that 10 minutes, like pull yeah. over and eat a granola bar in your car mm-hmm. and really like center yourself before you go into a family. I'm so sorry. I'm five minutes late, mm-hmm. but had I not been, 
you know, I would have right. not been, I wouldn't have been able to communicate with you. Um, so yeah. understanding that we are too, we also are people, we have to yeah. take care of ourselves, setting those boundaries, I think helps overall with the communication between yeah. family and, and therapists. And kind of finding your own strengths and weaknesses um, and being aware of them, because I think as therapists, like we just want to be super women, like yeah. or men, we're humans, sorry. <laughs> um, like, but you just want to go in there and be like, you know, I, I want to make all of this so better and everybody's so happy and to kind of know that, but you know, I'm really not good at this area and to work on it, but to really focus on your strengths in a session um, and don't overextend yourself. There actually is, I think, like a test that you can take. It's like the beaches something. Um, I can send you the link. Beaches yeah. something. You actually go in as a therapist and a professional and go in and it kind of shows you, you know, even stuff like time management, which is definitely our We're not going to do that. <laughs> um, but Kind of your strengths and weaknesses as a clinician in those areas for you to work on um but I think that it and also like we said the biggest thing is knowing that you're not gonna go in and be a fit for every family that is the the biggest thing I think you need to get over as a clinician and know you're a better clinician for referring out I think something else that gets in the way of communication like effective communication and there's something that again I've talked to like new therapists who are just like I, this family's not listening to me right I'm like, you've met them once. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. can you say anything to you? Um, I don't, there's like the four stages of team development. And if we view the, the family as a team, like understanding where we are in team development, it, it goes like forming, norming, storming, transforming, performing. I've it? never heard of that. Okay. <laughs> so it's forming, storming, <laughs> norming, transforming. So you first need to form the team, right? Like you're not going to be a team with the family on your first meeting. So understanding those first few sessions might not be as much of the, the clinical knowledge that you have and more of the forming this partnership. Yeah. Um, it's going to be storming. It's going to be a transfer of power where the, it's, you know, I, power is a bad word, but where it's going from, they view you as the authority to their viewing us as a team. Mm -hmm. Then we norm that team. Like we work together and the transformation is the parent saying, I can do this, you know, yeah. I'm, I can take ownership of this. And I think sometimes people get lost in like where in that development they are. And day one, they want to be like, well, this parent, they're, they don't like me. They're not listening to me. They're yeah. not working with me here. No, you're just, you're forming it. Don't team. take it personally. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I, I think another thing is too, and I would just like, again, new grad, if I was talking to myself, like take a lot of courses that really focus on maybe things that like are out of your, your realm. Yeah. And also like a lot of things that like, you know, like this family based course, I probably never would have taken that two years ago. Cause I would have been like, you know, that's one of my strengths. And I took it and I was like, wow, I've learned so much. Yeah. Um, so is that might even be your strengths? Like, you know, keep, keep growing and learning in them and don't ever feel like you've kind of hit your peak. Cause you can always learn more and be a better therapist. Um, Absolutely. I got for that. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's a great note to end on is that okay. you growing, continue, you know, building, building our weaknesses and also building our strengths so that we yeah. can better serve our families. So thank you all so much for being on the podcast. Thanks. It was wonderful having you. I'm sure I'll have you back because I could talk about this forever. Um, but yeah. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. And I thank you so much. No, this was Thanks awesome. Thanks for Thanks for tuning in today. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at the feeding pod. And from there, you can click on the link either for Brie or myself, Olivia. If you enjoyed this podcast, we hope that you'll leave us a review and we look forward to seeing you next time.